Good morning. Today I'd like to talk about true emptiness and marvelous existence. Are you familiar with this phrase? <laughs> you can find this phrase in three important parts in one Buddhist scripture, the red covered book. The first part is the doctrinal chart which comes right before the contents. It says, the gateway of practice based on true emptiness and marvelous existence. This says, the practice of one Buddhism is based on true emptiness and marvelous existence. The next part, you can find true emptiness and marvelous existence is the chapter on Ilwansang. The Ilwansang, it literally means one circle image, you can see up here. It symbolizes the truth of the universe and the Buddha nature within. In the chapter on the Ilwansang, it says, the creative transformation of true emptiness and marvelous existence freely conceal and reveal themselves through all things in the universe throughout vast eons without beginning. The last part is the chapter on the Dharma of Timeless Zen, where it says, if people intend to practice genuine Zen, they first should consider true emptiness as substance and marvelous existence as the function. When I first heard this phrase, true emptiness and marvelous existence, I felt that it was some metaphysical concept only a few people could understand. Now that I understand that it's essential to our practice to understand its meaning and make our practice tuned into it, today I would like, to, I would like us to think about what it means and how we apply it in our daily life. So I think our practice is a journey of developing deeper understanding of true emptiness and marvelous existence and manifesting it more skillfully in our life. So first, let's start by looking into its meaning. True emptiness means that the fundamental nature of all phenomena is truly empty. All phenomena are dependently arising due to various causes and conditions. For example, clouds, river, and rain appear as separate objects. However, when the sun shines on the water, the water evaporates and becomes clouds. When the temperature lowers, the water becomes droplets and turns into rain. 
Likewise, all phenomena in the universe come into existence only when certain conditions are met. In the Hatstra, it says, all dharmas are empty. It means all phenomena, even the sense of I or self, are empty of inherent existence or self-abiding nature. Whether it is physical, mental, or emotional, everything comprising the sense of self is dependently arising according to causes and conditions. So it says it's true emptiness. Then does it mean that there is false emptiness? By saying true emptiness, instead of just saying emptiness, I think it's emphasizing that it is thoroughly empty and pure. And there's nothing and there's nobody that impinges on dependent origination. True emptiness, it also means that it's different from mere nothingness. So on the contrary, true emptiness is the state in which all possibilities exist. Therefore, it is said that it is empty, yet complete. Clouds become rain, rain becomes rivers. When a fish swallows the water, it becomes part of the fish. True emptiness has the potential of creative transformations and change. It means in their original nature, in our original nature, there is nothing, yet there is everything. This is why it is called marvelous. Our founding teacher, Sotesan, says that the truth of Ilwan Sang is perfect and complete, utterly impartial and selfless. So this is another expression of true emptiness and marvelous existence that you can find in the one Buddhist scripture. And what is our practice? As it is beautifully described in Yongju, the sacred mantra, the mind and the universe are not separate. Without any logical explanation, you know, as you sit in nature and feel uh, its stillness, you also find the same stillness is within you. There is no separation. When wind blows on the peaceful water, ripples appear on the surface of the water. Likewise, when we face sensory conditions, disturbances, deluded thoughts, and unmindful behaviors may arise. No matter whether we are angry or sad, 
Our innate stillness does not change. It is just like the stillness deep under the ocean does not change, even in the midst of storm. Our true nature is always there and available to all possibilities. So the first three items of the essential dharmas of daily practice remarkably describe the practice based on true emptiness and marvelous existence. Let me read the first one. Our mind is originally free from disturbance, but disturbances arise in response to sensory conditions. Let us restore the equanimity of our true nature by letting go of disturbances. Let's think about this. What remains when it's empty of disturbances in our mind? What would remain? Can you imagine the state? It is free, your mind is free from any disturbances. Equanimity will remain. It will appear naturally. Likewise, when you are free from delusion and wrongdoings, wisdom and righteousness naturally arise. The emptiness in this sense is the source of life force. This is something to contemplate fully. True emptiness and marvelous existence, these are two aspects of truth. Mr. Sotesan says that if people intend to practice genuine Zen, they first should consider true emptiness as substance and marvelous existence as the function. To consider true emptiness as substance. So this means that we clearly understand that we originally belong to the realm where mind is free from disturbance, delusion, and wrongdoings. So do not forget this when you face sensory conditions in daily life. This doesn't mean that it's wrong to become emotional. Human beings are conditioned to have emotions. Master Sotesan shed tears when one of his disciples, who had been with him for over 20 years, had passed away. When we understand the true emptiness as substance, we see emotions arise as they are, and we recognize them clearly, but we are not caught up by them because we do not identify with them. When the wind stops, the ripples disappear. Likewise, when we do not identify with our emotions, they will leave us naturally. If we hold on to them, we suffer. Mr. Chongsan, the second Hetama master of one Buddhism, illustrates how to practice this way 
in the verse 27 of chapter 9 in his scripture. When you have negative thoughts due to discrimination between self and others, then immediately reflect on your true nature. Think of the realm of Ilwan, where there is no self or other. He goes on and on, taking many other concrete examples. So we can apply what he teaches here this way. When you become angry, instead of reacting, we turn to the Buddha nature within, where you are free from anger. It is important that you really feel like you're free from anger. And when you become jealous, you return to your Buddha nature, where you are free from jealousy. And see what it feels like. When you become lethargic, so you can apply this in, in any, uh, at any moment. So when you become lethargic, return to your Buddha nature, where you are free from lethargic. What would remain? and see what it feels like. You can always return to the Buddha nature within and take refuge there. In this way, the most difficult emotions will eventually resolve. So once we understand that we are not our thoughts or emotions, there are various helpful practices that we can Use to let them go. Chanting is one of them. So in the evening, the ministers of One Dharma Center get together to practice chanting together. So we chant Namu Amitabul. You know, the meaning of Namu Amitabul is return to the Buddha nature within. And while chanting Namu Amitabul, I sometimes become aware of disturbing thoughts and emotions that I had during the day, which I did not recognize at the moment. In the moment I recognized them, I simply let them go with the chanting. When we chant, it's easier to let them go because the verbal sound that you're making, it becomes our anchor. So this is a method of substitution. So instead of fighting with some thoughts or emotions, instead of trying hard to get rid of them, then you can have another object, such as chanting phrase. So recognizing and identifying your disturbing mind is the first important thing to do to let them go and return to the equanimity. Then ask yourself, if you want to let them go. Sometimes you might not want to let them go. So ask yourself if you really want to let them go. And then decide to let them go. Your emotions or even bad habits, they just form according to causes and conditions. Therefore, you can let them go if you decide to and if you want to. There is another tip that I would like to share. 
You can try this when you are angry and it's not easy to let it go. When do we become angry? When we think, I am right and the other person is wrong. Then we become angry, right? Then imagine you are someone else observing the situation with equanimity and wisdom. You are not the angry person, nor the person you are angry with. Does it make sense? I feel like I am observing the both people. (laughs) Then a strange thing happens. You will understand why that person behaved in that way. Strong emotions will be released. When our minds are empty of ego, understanding manifests. This is one of the moments when we experience true emptiness and marvelous existence. Isn't it marvelous that this transformation happened? To take marvelous existence as a function means that you maintain this transformation of your thoughts and emotions and use it. I sometimes experience that even after I feel the release of those emotions through meditation, which makes me feel great, the same reaction arises over and over. And I repeat the same pattern again and again when I face the same sensory conditions. This tells me I might have experienced some level of letting go and a little bit of emptiness, but not enough of it to manifest a marvelous existence. So after we experience the bliss of emptiness, we need to manifest the marvelous existence. Since true emptiness and marvelous existence are two aspects of truth, if we have separation between the experience of letting go and our daily life, then it's a signal that tells us that we need to balance our practice. I think the key to considering marvelous existence as a function is simply not making the same unskillful choice as we did the day before. This is the hardest part. And this is why we need practice. But this is a matter of training, not a matter of possibility. The message of true emptiness and marvelous existence is if you are awakened to the truth of emptiness at the top of the mountain, don't just stay there. We know it's beautiful there. But come down from the mountain into the village and plow the field. Take emptiness as substance and marvelous existence as function. This is an important guide 
to an authentic practice. I feel that amazing treasures are hidden in this phrase. Marvelous existence is both in nature and in our mind. Traditionally, the marvelous existence of our mind is categorized into three essential elements, equanimity, wisdom, and righteousness, inborn righteousness. But other countless amazing qualities are included in them. Love, compassion, gratitude, humility, creativity, devotion, etc. I think it is just expressed, expressed in the word marvelous because it is beyond language. The more we understand its meaning and apply it in our life, the more enhanced our life will be with those treasures. Thank you.